as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. Welcome back. Uh, what uh, are things in your world? <laughs> things are good over here. How about yourself? Uh, it's just another chaotic wasteland. <laughs> <laughs> well, not distancing, but that's all right. We're going the distance and just talking about some various entertainers who could are probably overdue for a just a return to form. Some of these I know are just wishful thinking because they've long given up the industry, but you can always wish. <laughs> <laughs> so if you had to choose a filmmaker or actor who could probably still bring the hurt, but just got off on the wrong foot and argued with too many producers, but could do a killer indie film, who do you think would work? Well, the one I like to see the most I had to think about this for a long time but had to choose the one director I grew up watching especially what got me to action films which is John McKeown like to see he keeps being attached to like five different projects and I don't I ever see anything happen with it and I'm like what's going on I'd like to see him at least make one comeback film I'm not sure what it could be but at least something showcase that he still got it which i like to see uh mira servino i think is overdue for uh just in terms of better acting roles is like, oh yeah yeah I, I used to look at who was casting for extras and i saw that they were filming like this hallmark or <laughs> lifetime oh, wow. bullshit that had her and bc listers like Kevin Sorbo of our people, and I'm just like, what the fuck? You are so above any of this TV garbage. <laughs> and it's sad how much she was wasting this too, but of all things. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, ah, oh, you could, man, pick better scripts so get a better agent. That's all I can say. Well, and that's just it. It's like, it seems like she. Uh, She'll do a few darker movies and interesting recurring TV roles. Like she was hysterical on Psych. I'm like, well, <laughs> mm -hmm. and again, it was no fault of her own. It, she 
it was just Weinstein who blacklisted her. And it's like, <laughs> y'all know how that went. <laughs> That's true. Well, one I can probably mention, this is one of the few action stars that at least had one of his films in the theater. I'm not sure if he want to go back and do one after what happened to him a few years ago, but I'd just be curious to see Jeff Speakman do one movie. So for those who don't know, he was a martial artist, B-movie guy. He was hot for a minute, and long story short, he got picky on what he wanted to do, and his agent pretty much... <laughs> prevented him from doing so much bigger stuff like he was supposed to be in the running for speed before it moved from paramount to fox to be produced and yeah uh, uh the perfect weapon was such a crapshoot and getting it done and so then basically he could only from that point on do made for tv or director video beat him up movies so i think he could definitely be bigger didn't now, for the longest time, I got him mixed up with Jeff Wincott. I'm like, no, different, totally different martial artist. <laughs> yeah, totally different. And uh, more or less, uh, uh, I think a lot of these guys, it's like they've had enough time to heal. And anyone who's worked with them, I know they all in all really do like working with them. They just find him an inspirational kung fu master you know who's mm -hmm. legit after his cancer scare that kind of ate up the rest of his you know paycheck for years and it's like yeah people have been yearning there's plenty of perfect weapon street night fans i know there are <laughs> those movies continually get uploaded on youtube and get fanfare oh exactly <laughs> and there's plenty of other martial arts who would be a lot of fun like Don the Dragon Wilson has kind of done a few more recent VOD movies, but I would like to see him actually make a cameo in like John Wick Five or. <laughs> well, same with Gary Daniels. I like to see. Yeah, he worked in the chance. Expendables, but that wasn't enough, and then it kind of sucks because, you know, he kind of took a while to appreciate all his various movies that premiered on HBO back in the day, and then. Thunder kind of got stolen by Scott Atkins because he had kind of the same feel. Like he was, be but Scott is still getting better gigs. His movies can actually play in like a, a dollar theater and mm -hmm. and uh, same day as video on demand and everything. So it's like Daniels would literally have to rebound, and unfortunately, he's kind of just done whatever comes his way now. And it's just like, damn it, he's not that bad an actor, but. No, to not. be fair, in the 90s, his thunder kind of got wrecked by, you know, he had a bigger head then when he was doing the one Jackie Chan film, and then Fist of the North Star just shattered it all. And That's very true, unfortunately. Uh, a filmmaker I would love to see make a comeback, but likely won't, just because rumors are going about that studio might have interfered with it is uh martin breast those of you might oh, know yes. are directing the first beverly hills cop some of war games uh scent of a woman and uh midnight run and he just knew how to make just very amusing character studies with mm -hmm. some mafia characters in the background and some other just off-color humor and 
Jiggly supposedly was good on paper and it just did not work out because it was capitalizing on two famous celebs dating at the time. So now it just be kind of, he just disappeared and no one ever knew what happened to him. Just nada. It's like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, that is one's birthday. You still don't know what happened to him. I wish we get some type of update now, but I'm not sure what he's doing now. Um, yeah, nothing. I, I, I have checked continually because <laughs> I grew up watching those movies. They were fun. And Oh, same here. <laughs> nothing. Not dead in the water. I was like, what? <laughs> one of one filmmaker that I've always said, it's almost like he basically got fucked over by Hollywood quite a bit because of one certain film he did, which I still enjoy to this day, which was Shoot Em Up with Michael Davis. Yeah, I, I still need to see the first movie he did, which was like Monster Truck Man or Monster Man or something. Monster Man, yeah. It's like an Evil Dead type movie that got him most in the business. And it's like, and that's the other thing too, Shoot Em Up, I see a lot of people, they're like discovering it on streaming platforms now. I'm like, guys, I saw that when it came out. It was a hoot. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw people bitching about it. Oh, it's too violent. Oh, I hate that political argument on guns they do in the background. I'm like, that's why it's funny. <laughs> You got the liberals uh, whining about the NRA, and then you got the conservatives, you know, who are like gun nuts. And then it's just funny how this rant, you know, it's funny in a falling down commando kind of way. This guy in the middle of nowhere just gets involved and just just starts shooting all these guys who are robbing him. <laughs> and also eating carrots while he's doing that. Oh, yeah. Like Bugs Bunny. <laughs> oh, yeah. And just embracing the R-rated Looney Tunes fashion was just so much amusement. And I just saw so many people just like, I, I can't stand that. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> you don't have a sense of humor then. That's the thing. I'm just saying. But I was sad that they never really got a chance. It's almost like they blacklisted him, I'd say, for some reason. Yeah, that wasn't that bombs. for Universal? Was it Universal? Somebody. Let me look up. Who the what? fuck did shoot him up? It was, was some. It? it was either that, Sony. I don't think it was Lionsgate. <laughs> Here we are, guys. We're doing some new work. <laughs> new Line Cinema. Says... Oh my god. <laughs> Warner Brothers. Mm. Come on now, y'all usually are pretty damn good with pulling these films. Somehow, just screwed that one over so bad. I don't know how. They had a lot of duds and seemed like, other than Austin Powers or Final Destination, they weren't making much green. <laughs> yes, I like the rings, but I'm talking main franchises that, you know, took a while, so I don't know. Another one, another one I can mention. This is an actor I've always loved. Speaking of Jeff Wincott, his brother Michael Wincott. Yeah, he guest starred on Westworld. He was in. He played Ed Gain briefly in that stupid movie about Hitchcock. And I was just like, but yeah, he 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 needs to do something kind of like Metro or The Crow kind of thing, just where he is, or even Strange Days for that matter, where he is front and center. And after seeing his tertiary bad guy who's kind of more of a outspoken WikiLeaks asshole on the London season of 24. I was just like, yeah, he... But most people haven't just seen him in a while. I'm like, he needs to do some bigger stuff. 
So the last big thing he did was that very small cameo in the beginning of Ghost in the Shell. That's oh, there you go. All he did, and that was and now, a credit cameo. So it's like, did that's true. he have a falling out with SAG? What's going on? <laughs> and I know he just got cast in Jordan Peele's new movie. Oh, okay. Which, <laughs> at least that's something, but I don't know how big of a role he has. That's the thing. Yeah, he's briefly in Alien Four, but <laughs> he didn't have time to grow yeah, out that waste. role. <laughs> is the best part of the role. <laughs> I know. Uh, so, yeah, definitely do for a rehash. And I think he even did, like, some video game voiceovers for a while, like one of the Grand Theft Auto movies. Then he did, like, this other movie that was, like, a GTA knockoff. It was, like, it was called Narc. That's what it was. And it was just so funny. It was, like, 2005. <laughs> and him and the other Michael, Michael Madsen. So it was, like, okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Thor's reunion. Uh... It's like one I could mention, but he's starting to have to come back now as Brendan Fraser, but he's starting to because of oh, uh, Doom Patrol. You'll really like him in No Sudden Move, that Soderbergh heist movie with oh, yeah. Michel Del Toro and Don Cheadle, and it was just so atypical of both Soderbergh and just the actors. Like I've never seen him play a role like this, and they've done plenty of crime movies, so that says a lot. Like, there are even moments where I'm like, is that kind of a, is that shot a throwback to uh, In Plain Sight? <laughs> the way Cheadle's holding that gun, or uh, is this a tribute to earlier Benicio roles, like Usual Suspects and Snatch and uh, what's the other one? Uh, way of the Gun. <laughs> uh, but Frazier was in there briefly, and is like, he was showing his age, but yeah, I saw him on the Condor show, which was on I think it was on DirecTV, and then they moved it to Epix or some shit like that. I got the DVD, and I was just blown away. I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. Here, here he's playing a CIA kind of plant who's hating, who's been picked on his whole life, and now he's kind of unleashing his anger on the other traitorous agents. <laughs> and it's like, and he lost some weight there, and it's like, yeah, I think, I don't know. I Did Mummy Free bomb pretty hard? Or, so. I'm not sure, I know he had some personal issues, so they had to work it out. But I mean, yeah, I think I think he's on his way back. I think he's gonna keep appearing in some more oh, yeah. stuff. But that Nikki Swift clickbait shit, where they were listing him and Tom Welling of all people, it's like Welling doesn't have to work. He was on Smallville, and you're putting him on here too. I'm like, <laughs> just because you haven't seen him in anything big in a while, it's like, guys, when you do a big major movie, you really don't have to do as much anymore. And I saw one person say it about Arnold Voslo. I'm like, what happened to him? I'm like, oh, he was in G.I. Joe. I'm like, yeah, but he's been in more than that. <laughs> he has some recurring True. roles. I saw him in Bosch recently as a ex-cop turned security guard who may or may not have been complicit in some crimes. But then he was also like a recurring serial killer maniac on Bones later seasons. So I was like, okay, yeah, he had plenty of work. And I saw plenty of his other guest spots unexpectedly. <laughs> I mean, he was also in Blood Diamond, guys. He's got plenty of work. <laughs> I don't know about Fraser, he, he's been cast like in Darren Aronofsky's new movie and Scorsese's new movie, so he is making that comeback now, which I'm glad to see. Oh, uh, Flowers of the Stilted Moon or whatever? That one. Yeah. Okay. Aronofsky, he did The Whale, which I know he already filmed that. So. so there you go, yeah. It's just like, people are impatient or just don't keep up, and it's like, go on to your, their IMDb and look at it, and it doesn't take long for these movies to be out for five years and they'll instantly get put in one of those 
Anchor Bay or Mill Creek, you know, DVD packs at your local Walmart, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> there is never any shortage. I will catch up on stuff. I'm like, yeah, these guys did plenty of interesting stuff. Like, uh, I saw so many people say, uh, mention, I mentioned so many movies on here that had Morgan Freeman and John Cusack that no one's seen. I'm like, oh, pick them up at your video store. <laughs> now. <laughs> Um, who's another one who could use some extra gigs? Um, I could probably say Michael Bean. Yeah, uh, totally. And it made you wonder. I know he's been working with his actress wife, who's been producing some horror films. But I'm like, yeah, no, I need you guys to get past that phase because I know Bean oh, is yeah. picky, but it can't be that picky. And I don't know about you, but I would get tired of doing the billionth James Cameron Q and A. I know. Um, and he should have totally been in one of the Expendables movies, but because you've seen him in plenty of other ensemble stuff he was doing, and it's like he wasn't the main star in that, so and he looked miserable in those, so it's like <laughs> I just like, love this, like I wish he would have gotten Alien Five, that would have helped him a lot. Thanks for this guy for that. Yeah, but... and didn't help that No Blancamp's second to last movies were getting some hate, so it's like yeah, he. All these guys we want to see succeed just hey they take like half a decade to get better and and that hurts them still <laughs> that's sad because we've seen how talented they, they can be and they still are this day oh totally um what's the I think. Of hmm. uh, another one. Uh, so he was here for a while, but there was one filmmaker who was doing all sorts of indie stuff. Seems like he just kind of vanished. Um, Keanu Waxman, I think, could do a bigger role. So for those who don't know, he did he, he did some interesting indie films that kind of had some Tarantino kind of moments, but often action and crime. And seemed like he did some. I was blessed to actually interview the guy, and he kind of became kind of bigger in some circles because some people saw movies he did with Dolph Lundgren and Steven Seagal, and they're like, well take the star away the movie is still just very unusual just like visually like as an mtv kind of appeal and it's like yeah i think you should do more than just uh some violent i mean he did even for the longest time some other original movies for usa and lifetime that were just unusual just psychological it's like mystery movies that would have an action-packed finale and it's like he he knows how to illustrate the dark side of life and seems like he has some other projects just stuck in development hell i'm like oh man <laughs> that's what it seems like a lot of these actors if all these other people can like direct like a season of a streaming show i mean i think he could uh, uh just he should be doing some something for netflix and i know he did that one movie with michael j white uh randy couture and luke goss and that was Long one of those, yeah. is supposedly there's a sequel coming out to it soon, but I'm like, well, get on it, because you don't have long. And it was one of those where it's like, 
the co-writer kind of ruined it, but he still kind of uh, took his time to instill whatever he could in just the grit. Uh, there's plenty of other actors we'd like to see kind of just be on some bigger things. And I mean, they're always working, but, um, Oh yeah. I'd like to see Thomas Gibson do something big. It seemed like he was in like one military show that wasn't too different from his criminal minds thing, but was kind of like the unit as well. And had Paul Walker's brother and, Graham Green and it's like it didn't get picked out so they just edited the two episodes they shot together as a movie and, and it just seems like uh, I don't know as he's attached to like one or two other shows I'm like he, he should actually just be in a cool mystery movie or <laughs> action film nowadays or just on some other dramatic role because uh, that falling out with the Criminal Minds producers couldn't have been that bad <laughs> so I don't know plenty of other ones um you're a big fan of claire danes so am i and after homeland no. i do hope she gets like some other bigger dramatic role because she's been working so long in the industry and it's like and she wasn't like oh, yeah. thandy newton or jason patrick where no one knew how to use thandy and finally she's getting to do bigger roles that she kind of wanted to do and patrick kind of just keeps being a hard ass to work with so <laughs> it's, it comes and goes um I mean, you're also a big fan of Mickey Rourke. What would he do nowadays since it seemed like he had a few comebacks and he just went back to doing bullshit again? So. Yeah, I think he kind of ruined his comeback after that. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I know Dolph has been... Well, yes, we are big Lundgren fans here. Has been mm -hmm. big for a while and... Keeps doing some comebacks, but they always seem to just be in the form of just working with Stallone again. And it's just like, <laughs> I know plenty of fans who will rent or see whatever the latest project he has coming out. And <laughs> it just makes you wonder. It's like so many people just associate him with how much money He-Man lost or the fact that really Scott didn't want to work with him on Gladiator. What's, what's going on here? <laughs> I'm not sure why. That's the thing. But I would say for some comedians, there's one of them. I know we recently saw him like in Bohemian Rhapsody and all that, but I'd be curious to see Mike Myers try to Ooh, come back. I don't think that's going to happen. You don't think? <laughs> yeah, he's just too full of himself and tough to get along with, which sucks because, you know, he's like, I don't even think Austin Powers 4 is going to happen anytime soon unless it's like a Netflix original or some shit or HBO or Max. <laughs> well, I don't think that's going to happen. I think. Did it that. Now, if you ask me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd much rather he do something else new. But yeah, it's just like he kind of became so difficult to work with and opinionated, like where he would override his directors. That caused some bad blood. <laughs> oh, that's true. I forgot about that. Especially with. I believe it was Star Million Max, but. Uh... Remember, he was like that to that director all the time. Yeah, but even on Wayne's World, like, that's true. Penelope is such an accomplished documentary gal and everything. You're going to tell her how to shoot a music, you know, comedy? <laughs> it's like, come on. And then he just, like, yeah. fired her from the second movie. Not because she did a bad job, but just because he didn't want to work with her again. It's like, but 
Stay in your zone, dude. You're not a director. <laughs> he's never tried to be a director. Yeah, well, if he's going to get anything done, he better join whatever Irish directors kill in this. <laughs> well, speaking of Irish, well, I could say designer, but I mean, I know he's not in Batman. I would have said Colin Farrell, but never mind. I know he is Penguin and Batman. I don't know. Sounds oh like he's barely in it, but. I saw, I, I kept seeing that hysterical meme. Instead of hiring him, just hire Richard Kine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what he looked like in the makeup. Yeah. That's like, I like Colin Farrell. I just wish he would have gotten better roles nowadays. Just, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, no one knows how to use him. Uh, definitely another one who everyone just kind of, he, he kept being hot and then just being in so many flops but it wasn't his fault but it didn't matter because the movie sucked so it's like uh yeah yeah thomas jane is another one who seems to just kind of creeping up and despite being on the expanse no one's biting they're just like oh aren't you that guy from deep blue sea in the second punisher movie and it's like <laughs> he's a good actor <laughs> he is but nobody ever wants to give him a chance for some reason i guess because they believe he's too hard to work with, which I've never heard. Excuse me, huh? No, I've never heard that. I heard he's pretty method, so. <laughs> Maybe that's a problem with people? I don't know. <laughs> but I'm like, you do have those actors out there, folks. Just saying. And. You never know. Uh, Eddie Murphy is finally going to come back, but. Why did it take that long? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Yeah. I, mean, I, I heard he was difficult with Wes Craven, but Wes was never in control of any studio projects. So it's like I've never heard any other movies that flopped later on be because he was taking too long or late to set. So I don't know. Well, I think it was also just the projects he was picking at that time. And eventually <laughs> he slowed down picking those bad projects mm -hmm. and then eventually he got dolomite is my name and then that's what finally led him to come back to snl thank god yep. and now he has but it was kind of four to try to make for netflix so we'll see if that happens i'm not sure if it will <laughs> but it's a good trying and I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> yes, they have to direct those of bad boys for life. I'm like, okay, but I'm just not sure how Beverly Cop can walk today. This thing. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of it's, it's kind of funny how we used music video guys used to be on hot fire, and now it's kind of frowned upon because it's like whoever the ones later were in the 2000s, like they only knew how to create mayhem. They didn't seem to know how to just kind of make a visually appealing and moody movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. And as we said before, Antoine Fuqua seems to be the only one who's just consistently always doing something interesting um, uh, and just understands characters and drama. Um, I mean, years ago, I might have said Russell Mulcahy, but I think he just kind of just became just a gun for hire. And so, <laughs> so were the projects that followed him uh what's your take on simon west does he have anything left in him or is he kind of just keep doing bad movies with nick cage and john cusack <laughs> uh, that's 
Because, I mean, That's he directed a pilot for Human Target. That was a big show. <laughs> it's sad to see so much potential just go to waste, especially after him doing, like, Mechanic, the first one, and even the Timbers 2 he did, even though anybody could have directed that, to be fair. But it's... I'm not sure what happened there. I don't know if he'll be able to come back, to be fair. It's, Probably not. He's just going to do whatever. Um, he had, like, some military project with, like, so many people, like, including Aaron Ackert and Gerard Butler that was in development, but I guess it didn't fall through, but he claimed, oh, I filmed it. I'm like, well, not sure about that. It sounds like it's never got off the deal or investors pulled out and didn't get finished because people say, oh, how can that be? I'm like, no, trust me, there are plenty of <laughs> you can blackmail or no, blacklist some investors and projects will just fall through and you know the minute no one gets paid one day projects shut down so I, I think true. producers really are getting pickier about what's on their IMDb's now and it's like whoever's clicking on it that's what I gotta concentrate on the more because people are interested in it clearly but it's also interesting to talk about one director that seems like he just fell off but also I mean to be fair, this man continues to shit on pretty much every movie he makes, which is Stephen Hawkins. And I'm like, I think there's a reason why you haven't really made a comeback, because it's, it's like every film you make, it just seems like you are never proud of them at all. And I know the last film he did was one called Race, back in 2016. And then, oh, Stephen Hawkins, yeah. Yeah, Stephen Hawkins. He did the last season of 24, and then, yeah, but for a while he was kind of the casual Showtime or HBO TV director, like Tells from the Crypt and Californication. And, but, yeah, I I don't know if any of his movies underperformed. I think Race made decent money. It was a decent movie, but far from what, you know, the 90s Hopkins that we know. You know? <laughs> Judgment I know. Rather too. So uh, I think he and Anthony Hickox would definitely – be welcome for uh, uh, doing more stuff, but I think Hickox also kind of went into mercenary mode and just got annoyed with everything, which is a shame because he's always amusing to listen to. I, but I think that's just it too. I don't think he took his career as seriously as he should have, which is that's weird because I mean he was he mentioned how he was kind of the go-to guy for directing a horror franchise sequel installment, and Hopkins kind of was too because Nightmare Five kind of got him more offers. So it's like. Yeah, what happened here, guys? <laughs> well, one director I should mention, speaking of another Steven, that Steven with G.I. Joe, Steven Somers, I've been saying. Did, did he just not back. get along making that movie? Or what? I don't know. I know he had Odd Thomas out a few years later, which I know they had a lot of its production problems at the time. It was kind of an average movie, but I saw some people who were like, I love that movie so much. I'm like, well, <laughs> I, I think Summers, I think this is it. I mean, he was a genre guy, you know. That's why he did, you know, Deep uh, Rising. Deep Rising. And, yeah. First two mummies, and then it just seemed like, uh, oh, yeah, and even the D Jungle Book uh, live yeah. action Disney. But, yeah, it seemed like wasn't always given strong scripts but he just was really good with doing foreign productions so I don't know if he got fed up with it <laughs> like, I'm not sure but I mean I like, I'd be curious to see what 
to be willing to do now, at least. Right. It used to be something creative and different, unlike a lot of films nowadays. Even just a simple mystery movie would be fine. Oh, yeah. I mean, at least something, that's all I ask for, to see him you know, at least try to make one. I mean, I don't know if he just doesn't have the passion anymore. I have no idea, to be fair. But just as a fan of his, as somebody who's defended him for years, I'm still going to. I don't care. <laughs> I, I just like to see him come back at least one day. So hopefully I, they will. <laughs> well, hopefully, I was. I've been saying that for years since he just vanished. I mean, I love to see him more than Rob Cohen. Well, they will ever come back as a director. To be fair. Oh, I know. Um friend of the show, you know him, Sean Malloy. Uh, I must break this podcast, interviewed Scott oh, yeah. Winhauser. And long story short, Winhauser came up with the idea for Pearl Harbor and got to work on the production staff for Michael Bay and then uh, wrote Hurricane Heist for Rob Cohen. And he noticed how Cohen is very much a pyrotechnics guy. He always asks, uh, you know, he plans out how the scene should go. Is it, you know, but it helped because he had worked in TV before. I think my main issue with him was he kind of he wasn't as clever as he thought he was. He kind of just got a big yeah. guy, especially after Mummy Free, where he's like, we're doing such a big promotion of Buddhism. I'm like, what kind of movie do you think you're making? You're making a mummy movie. <laughs> exactly. And no one's going here for spiritual guidance, and this isn't even the best use of that. So I think he just kind of, especially after making that stupid J-Lo movie, like the boy oh, next yeah. door or whatever, I think he just got a bigger head, so he's just going to keep doing whatever... B or D grade thriller comes his way. Hurricane Eyes had an interesting idea, but I can't say that was a good movie at all. <laughs> no, I'd just rather watch the better version called Hard Rain. But, you know. Oh man, any other 90s direct video <laughs> that felt like an old Antenna Channel or Irwin Allen movie or a bunch of thieves or <laughs> in the middle of a disaster. <laughs> oh. I think that's just it, too. We don't know half the time, you know, these scripts that they finally get in green light that have been here for days is like they either don't update them or just go with whatever you're thinking of doing. But I wouldn't be surprised if disaster movies just kind of take chill for a nap for a while. No pun. (laughs) Just because so many people are just getting sick of having to do the effects and work with the expensive stars. Oh, we still got one coming out next year, early next year. So. Oh, really? Jeez. Well, Roland Emmerich's movie, to be fair. Well, that's, he's built his career on that. No one cares about the plots of those. Well, it doesn't look good anyway, even though somebody who somewhat defends him, but yeah. I'm he's this. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I've enjoyed at least two of his movies. It's just... Oh, I know wasn't because of the story. It was because the effects were fun and the cast was having fun. Oh, God. And Although, one other director I should point out that I'm not sure if I'm going to come back, but I've always thought was an interesting one that if he could, he might, unless he's retired, I'm not sure. But Steve Miner, I'd be curious if he... Yeah, will he stop directing for TV and all these sitcoms and do mm-hmm. 
more horror movies again, for those who don't know. I mean, he's involved with Warlock and the Friday the 13th movies, and he's even done horror parodies of various comedy drama shows, because <laughs> he knows... Maybe like Halloween H2O and like Placid. Yeah, you like know. Placid is hysterical, and so many people have hate on that one, and it's like... <laughs> you had an accomplished... They don't understand it's supposed to be a horror comedy, but they don't realize mm-hmm. that. And... Oh, like Starship Troopers, it seems like so much stuff that's big now in home video is just like it dissolved in the 90s, and that was <laughs> mm-hmm. time to keep the career going with the ever changing industry. So, I don't know. I and there's even other people who just tune up every once in a while, and like, no way, they're still making movies, but hey, yeah. you don't know how much of it is with the movies selling better overseas versus. Uh, you know anything else? <laughs> I think the final, the final one I'll mention, the final filmmaker that I'd be curious after rewatching his film a few days ago, starring the you know, good old Mark Dacascos, Drive. I'd be curious to see Steve Wang get a chance to direct something. Yeah, for those who don't know, Drive was a big 90s cult movie that played on USA Network quite a lot. It was a lot of fun. It was kind of crank before crank was a thing. And it, Costco's has made a comeback being the host of Iron Chef America, recurring roles on Woo Assassins and Hawaii Five-0 and the Mortal Kombat, you know, uh, web series. Mm-hmm. And now John Wick Free. And he and Wick Sayonata, who's also kind of been making a comeback as a go-to action director. They're in the right pace. They're on mm-hmm. the right pace, but yeah, it's going to be a little while longer because the market just kind of keeps keeps changing unnecessarily and you don't know how much of it is just the Amazon Netflix people messing with their stocks and deciding what gets made or what have you, but it's like, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, looking at your cover here, no one can see it, but he's got a photo of GoldenEye. I, I would like to see a comeback from Fem Jenskin. Oh, same here. She was big. She was hot shit back in the day. and then Oh, definitely. This Dutch actress no one had heard of who did casual guest appearances. You know, it was an evil Bond girl in GoldenEye and then X-Men. And then uh, it was like... She did that one Eli Roth horror show for Netflix, like Hollow Grave or some shit like that. And then, oh, yeah, kind of after being wasted in those Tegan movies, just kind of just again, it's like I've only seen her in casual indie stuff here and there. And, and I don't know, she... Witch Hunters, actually. Oh, that's right. So there you go. She was one of that. Unfortunately, that was the last thing she did that was mainstream, I'd say. I kind of taken sequels. Oh, totally. But, yeah, it seems like she. Well, I know she did that Nicolas Cage film called Primal, but I don't know how Oof. much she's in that, to be fair. I I doubt it. Probably two scenes and gets killed or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. I wouldn't be surprised at this point. I mean, I'd like to see her at least try to come back. If Something. anybody would give her a good role. It doesn't have to be a superhero movie, doesn't have to be even no. a random present drama she can be like she was in that one horror movie 100 feet that was kind of a small comeback for like eric red oh yeah i saw it and i was just kind of like man on the movie good acting worth a watch but not a must see not really that scary (laughs) it's like 
I I don't know what's going on, but she's awesome. She so, is. Uh, kind of close this out. Um, are there any other kind of comedians or stand-up guys who kind of were hot for a while and then just disappeared? It seemed like Aries Spears. I can only see him just kind of, you know, from Mad TV, can only seem to just get on just doing local gigs. Like, he comes to Dallas, like, three times a year and all the other states. <laughs> Georgia, Louisiana, California. Yeah. And I don't know if he pissed someone off. I know... Well, I mean, he was kind of a dick when he was on Mad TV and to other people at that time. Uh, That's quite why okay. he hasn't really taken off because of uh, that. word got around and was he just shit talking to him or just asking for more money or was it more i want to be in more of the skits because you guys suck or some shit that's one of them yeah oh okay he's just telling him that especially key and peel that's what he told them that they were a bunch of no talent hacks and... well okay so that makes better sense because then he did do that video saying Keen Pill aren't going to appeal to as wide an audience or black of an audience. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> they appear to every kind of audience. I saw so such a diverse crowd wanting to go see Keanu and get out and <laughs> anything else Keegan is in. So it's just like, yeah, no, I don't buy that shit at all. <laughs> well, that's fine. And, and then he dressed it up. He did the whole, this sounds like a diss. I'm like, okay, so it is a diss. No one said it was a diss. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, sounds like a bitter, jealous person. So, (laughs) but he is pretty funny. But there you go. That's a personal problem. It's like, keep your opinions to yourself. I mean, it's okay to have an opinion, but. Well, yeah. Well, I'm curious. Speaking of some comedians, this is just me probably talking as an SNL fan, but I just like to see somebody like Sherry O'Terry try to. Get she was great. And yeah. Did Lauren Michaels badmouth her because he fired her from SNL or some shit? Well, no, I know she left. Oh, she, she left, yeah, because she probably wasn't given much to do, if I recall, right? I know she was. <laughs> she was, actually. But somehow nobody was giving her any roles for some reason. And was she being decisive? I mean, because that's the other thing, too. Comedians, they have the right to be picky because if you're going to do a sitcom, the material really does have to be working because otherwise that injures your brand. And then you is like, if I was a comedian, I would not want there to be five short lived sitcoms that last 10 episodes on my resume. That would be a total waste of everybody's time. And that would hurt my brand as a funny guy who has a lot of marketability. So, I mean, and that's probably what happened. I've seen Jim Carrey slowly kind of making comebacks too. And it's just like, he's always consistently been working, but he's been very, (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like an up and down trajectory at this point with him. And I mean, well, thanks to Sonic, that helped him out quite a bit. Oh, yeah. And I've appreciated all the drama roles he's done. I think he's one of the more successful guys who just. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, people are now making fun of how woke he is. And it's like, well, here's the thing. He's legit woke. He's not the other guys who were posing on Instagram. I've been reawakened. You know? <laughs> Please <laughs> click. You know, we were talking about social media trends and other shit. It's like same thing as seeing the people who get ripped in a gym and everything. It's like, yeah, but 
I'm going to believe The Rock versus, say, I don't know, just a, or maybe certain athletes versus other athletes who, you know, they don't even come to 24 hour fitness, but they just had to go and pose, you know. Uh, same thing with all the models saying my tits are real or, you know, yeah. It's like, or you just eat a lot of fiber or some shit. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Then you have, I mean, not just her. Like I, I'm somebody that appreciate ones like Anna Gasteyer that was also on the show at the time. But I mean, now she does more Broadway now, which I'm glad to see. Oh, who? Sorry. It was Anna Gasteyer, who's also on SNL with Sherry Terry. Oh okay. yeah, Anna Gasteyer is great, and I see her pop up on other stuff that I don't expect. But yeah, it's always kind of like a fourth or fifth person or a side project with Tina Fey, Maya Rudolph. I'm like. Why can why can't she be the lead for once? I don't know. <laughs> I was glad to see like Molly Shannon, you know, getting some chances now. I've been seeing her pop up in a lot of stuff recently. You would and, think. Oh, well, she has been. I thought she was on that White Lotus show. I know she. Oh, for also sure. also the lead on I think another show. I forgot the name of the show though. Right now, gave her some other gigs, but yeah, it's like. Kind of just popped up here and there. I don't remember who she played in Rampage or Sin City, but I definitely recall her <laughs> being in Scream 4 and Pleasantville. So, I don't know. I I know there was... Uh, who's that better person there? Um, uh, but uh, also from SNL, uh, I mean, who can forget? Uh, the king of the impersonators, uh you know, Mr. Trump, Bill Clinton. <laughs> oh, Daryl Hammond. Yeah, Daryl Hammond. You read his bio, and it's like he was wrecked by years of drugs and abuse from his mother. And his mother, yeah. Being a comedian. Uh, now, I know he does stand-up shows nowadays, and he is actually he's the recent announcer for SNL, so that helps him a lot, if you ask me. He's now, oh, the voiceover? Wow. Yeah, the voiceover, and... That's yeah, what they owe him after wasting him in so many skits or cutting out his parts. I'd be totally discouraged as a comedian. <laughs> well, plus, he filled in for you know, the previous one who would, whenever he was sick, but then he died you know, a few years ago, and so Daryl took over that role. And wow. now he's been that way since then, which is always I good to I thought the voice night. sounded more familiar than usual, so that makes sense. <laughs> yep, so that's Daryl Hammond <sighs> doing that. Oh, boy. There's plenty of other comedians. We can always do another one of these specials. But yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Seems like you don't know how much of it is. I mean, it's easy for anyone to be called a diva because they hated working with them versus, you know, just simple, you know, get me one extra glass of coffee and I'll do the shot. It's like that's hardly as bad as, say, just someone who always knows shows or, you know, down – Begrades, begrudges everyone and talks shit about them <laughs> to where they hate them before the movie even comes out and they have to do a PR you know, mm -hmm. release. It's like, what was it like working with them? Next question. <laughs> yeah, that unfortunately happened to some of them. Well, speaking of SNL, of course, was Chris Kattan. I've heard stories about him, how he was kind of like that at that time. I bet. 
Everybody hated working with him on Corky Romano. <laughs> Such a stupid movie. <laughs> I've never seen that. I'm glad. Hardly I as bad yeah. as they make it out to be, but it's still it's like, dude, seriously. <laughs> that was trying to be his big breakout role, and well, it didn't work out. Yeah. To be fair, I'm like that's your own fault, Chris. Just saying. <laughs> I didn't see it. I didn't care to. Peter Berg survived it, so <laughs> it didn't harm everyone. True. Oh, God. Well, like I said, we could do a whole other one about some other actors or comedians, even, who deserve one. And I'm sure we could think of a lot more that. I can't think of any right now, but I'm sure I'll probably think about them afterwards and be like, ah, I forgot that person, but I can't do it right now. (laughs) (laughs) But now, well, hopefully a lot of these directors or actors and actresses will be able to make a comeback, hopefully, this time. And maybe I we'll mean, see him again. Because we got so many others who are making comebacks, like Kristen Wiggs preparing in more ensemble movies and you know, yeah. Bill Hader, I mean, has Barry, so I mean everyone's gonna keep continually working pretty steadily for a while, but there are plenty of others like eighties and nineties icons who we don't know how much of it is they they got tired of Hollywood versus just <laughs> just, uh, all they can do now is just convention panels and rare exclusive yeah. interviews. That's pretty much it. <laughs> we'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new podcast cure all sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living we have exploitation we have italian horror we have zombies we have slashers we have crime films we have spaghetti westerns we even have sci-fi and sex comedies so take a dose of they must be destroyed on sight as needed and let the hosts lee russell daniel harper paul romali and the odd guest host cure what ails you Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin cough, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. 
tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games, mm-hmm. music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one. Music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just. Oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, people. Yeah. Yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you could think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yeah. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want us here to say. Ah. 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 All that good fun stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't, don't run the listeners away, PJ. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, Check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. Oh, oh, oh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of It's unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's 
because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby Pair it with a couple brews, baby We love your movies We love the bad ones, too So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you Oh, yeah Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one life's blood holes are gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy With your friend Steve and Izzy At eilfm.podbean.com Welcome to Who Was She Podcast. I'm your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others? connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast. Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author Wendy Heller and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zeminoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff.
Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. Hi there. It's Heather from the Watching Netflix Without You podcast. Did you know that there are over 1,200 Netflix original feature films and documentaries? And that number is only growing. So I've made it my mission to watch as many as I possibly can. Then, with a delightful guest or guests, disclaimer, more often than not my brother Ryan, we spend an episode rating, reviewing, and discussing a film at length. The first half of every episode is spoiler-free for those who haven't seen it yet. And in the second half, after a very clear spoiler warning, we dive into it. And that's really about it. You can listen to Watching Netflix Without You on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We now continue with our program. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jack-